just me and Jesus right. in a box. We're worshiping together. <laughs> we're going at it, right? The Lord is my <clears throat> shepherd. But like, yeah, right, right. Where it's like this very just like personal, like we're oceans. <laughs> we're oceans. We're oceans. Yes. Right? And it's just it's just you. Chicka chicka cha chicka chicka cha. Oh. Welcome back to Captain Thoughts. I'm Caleb. And I'm EJ. And we're going to attempt to finish the Apostles' Creed today. I think we're going finish to the, finish the Apostles' Creed, but we like promised that we would do the tension and paradox. And Yeah, so we're on part three of the Apostles' <laughs> Creed, and it was only, I think, supposed to take one part. <laughs> There's supposed to be episode so, one. <laughs> so uh, the goal is to finish that. And yes, as, as Caleb mentioned, we were going to talk about paradox and tension, we haven't really like fully expounded upon that, but yeah. I'm hoping we can at least we'll, address it a little. We'll see bit. if we get to part of it mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. So. We should. I think we'll have time. Yeah, I think we'll make it work. So in the last one, we finished talking about uh, the death of Christ, mm-hmm. his um, ascension at the right hand of the Father, and uh, the hope that we have in Him because of that and His work. Uh, but then we also. Uh, almost skipped over his judgment part, which Caleb's means, favorite part. Which we, <laughs> the favorite part. I don't think so. I'm scared of that part. No, but um, <laughs> that's bad. I'm not scared of that part. I, I know Jesus. <laughs> so, but now, so we t- we got into that. We got into yes. judgment. We'll probably talk about that more later. But mm-hmm. let's let's jump in to the next part. So, do you want to just read? This yeah, last I'm gonna part? I'm gonna read the last section of the Apostles' Creed. Um, the section that we will be focusing on for this episode it says i believe in the holy spirit the holy catholic universal church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body and life everlasting and so we're not going to get to paradox intention no probably (laughs) not okay so the first part uh, i believe in the holy spirit um, Feel free to take that one. <laughs> I mean, the Holy Spirit's the third person of the Trinity, so we're already That's getting right. into paradox and tension. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason that Christians believe in Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinity, the, the word itself, is never used in Scripture. It's something that's inferred from Jesus saying the Father and I are one. Um, well, and you have the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus where heavens open up and the Spirit descends upon him. Like and a dove and the, the voice. The Trinity is there. So the the uh, there's no doubt that the Trinity is active in Scripture. Yes. Uh, we could do another podcast on Trinity and how should we view it and mm-hmm. view it. God. It's God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, one thing I always really loved is Dr. DeVore would always open up her classes, like, in prayers. You know, yeah. she'd always be like, hey, uh, triune God. Yeah. That was so different to me for her to open up prayers, like, triune God. Yeah. Um, and what's really cool is our next episode, we're actually going to talk about prayer. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that one. Yes. It's going to be good. It'll be exciting. But, yeah, Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit uh, is the person of the Trinity who Jesus, the God the Father and God the Son, sent to believers mm-hmm. um, to convict of sin, to redeem to salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what else you'd want to well, say. Well, the Spirit indwells, indwells every believer, yeah. which is um, incredible. What does that look like? What's that mean? Yeah, so what's that, what's that mean? It's funny you ask, because I actually, this past semester at school, wrote a paper on the indwelling oh, of the Holy Spirit. Um, and surprisingly it's difficult to write about um you know when we think about it we're like what does that mean for the indwelling of the holy spirit it's kind of a crazy concept but from the the research i was able to look at um the indwelling of the holy spirit like the spirit of god is present in the life of the believer in a very meaningful and significant way um in terms of the paper i wrote i looked at the the spirit's impact on 
like our mental faculties. So there's different views of like what the Holy Spirit does. Some some uh, scholars say the Holy Spirit like persuades or like helps direct people's thoughts. Yeah. Um, other people say that the Holy Spirit like actually just changes our thoughts. Um, there's there's this talk about paradox and tension. There's this tension between like divine action of the Holy Spirit and human responsibility. Like when we are indwelled by the the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't want to say that we're like now possessed where we have like no control over our bodies. Like we can still make decisions, we can still like live our lives. But I also want to say that the Holy Spirit in a very real sense like impacts um and we we talked about convicts us. Um, reveals Christ to us like the Holy Spirit is doing something in the life of a believer but to what extent I think that's the conversation that's the tension I think this is where you can also nail down um, faulty theological views yeah with uh, there's movements that believe that when scripture says Jesus emptied himself of his divinity Mm -hmm. that he became fully man on earth but that's not what scripture actually says but these movements will teach that and Mm -hmm. then they teach that therefore God through the Holy Spirit worked through Jesus to do miracles and healings and so in the same way we are supposed to have this ability as Christians where the Holy Spirit works through us and so Mm -hmm. if we're unable to heal or unable to do a miracle Mm -hmm. then we are not Christians, but mm-hmm. don't have the enjoying of the Spirit. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture is pretty clear that God, Jesus never says that uh, he is no longer divine and God works through him. He's always saying, okay, the Lord and I are one. Still divine. And he's still, and Scripture says, like, Jesus perceived in his own thoughts what the Pharisees were thinking about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say, like, God put it in Jesus to think about this and right. that he would do it. So I right. think it's important to remember that. Yeah, to uphold that Jesus, still fully God, still fully man, but the Spirit of God third person of the trinity was still active yeah. in his life and present in different scenes that we see in the the new testament yeah um you mentioned like the indwelling of the holy spirit to mm-hmm. bring thoughts and persuade mm-hmm. uh you and i talked about this a little bit, bit a little while ago about mm-hmm. my own experiences of recognizing when the spirit's trying to convict me right over something big you start to realize it there's like a your like your feelings suddenly are like why am i so frustrated about this or why do i do this Mm -hmm. it's almost like god's like the holy spirit's poking you like you need to wake up and be sanctified from this well yeah that's hard and there's so many times where you know i'll be sitting you know doing something throughout my day and a thought will come to my mind that like is either from God, like, I didn't come up with this, like, oh, the Lord, like, just put this, like, onto my mind, like, I'm now thinking about this, yeah. or, conversely, there are times when I'm, I'm thinking about things that aren't from God, like, they're not holy, and I'll feel a conviction, yes. and, and I'll, I'll, in a very real sense, like, experience, like, oh, wow, God is, like, telling me I shouldn't be thinking about these things, yeah. and, like, the Spirit of God is moving. I think it's important that we start to see the Spirit working in the details. Yeah. I think we always, like, not always. I would say there's certain movements that are always expecting huge, big, like massive, mass healing, wealth, prosperity, yeah. you know, legs growing out, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But really, the spirit's in the details because scripture says that even when you are led to pray, mm-hmm. it's the Holy Spirit moving you to do it. Yeah. When you're led to repent for sins, it's the spirit leading you to yeah. do it. When you talk to somebody about God, it's the spirit leading you to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not us. We wouldn't right. do it on our own. Right. And we know that the Spirit can do those massive, supernatural Oh, yeah, we would never deny that he can. We would never deny that. But we also see that Jesus, when he talks about prayer, like going alone in the quiet, like secret place and not doing it for attention, like the Spirit of God works 
when you're alone in your room in a quiet place with no one else around, not all the lights and cameras, like God still works just as much like in those moments and those little details yeah. as he does the huge, like miraculous things. Yeah. That's encouraging. Certainly. It is encouraging. Um, Cause yeah, I feel like a lot of people are seeking the big events, the big monumental movements from yeah. God. And all, that's not always how he works. I think there are, majority of the time, actually, I would say, is in, like, the mundane, everyday, just following the Lord and being faithful and the Spirit working. Now, again, like we mentioned, God obviously can and does do miraculous, you know, huge events. But I would say for the life of a believer, they shouldn't be purposely, like, just trying to seek those out. Not necessary. Yeah, it's not necessary. I think it's important to recognize that when Jesus gave authority to the apostles, Scripture says he gave them authority to... give like credence to their message Mm -hmm. so when paul and peter could do these healings in scripture it gave authority to their message but we already have the authority of their message it lasted two thousand years and it's interesting that we're just getting really heavily in this place where people are pursuing like Mm -hmm. the miracle aspect of things Mm -hmm. um in fact there's certain people who would teach that without the miracle the message itself is deadened and that is so unscriptural christ is enough as he is and although like I have seen some things that I would say were God's working. Yeah. I want to also recognize that even if I hadn't seen those things, he's still God and he's still holy and the message still stands true. Right. Apart from that stuff ever happening. And I don't want to seek it out. Right. I don't want to be, you know, like, yes, not, not in the sense of like, I would never seek it out. I pray for people who are sick all the time. Well, this is the thing when when we, when we preach the gospel, we are desiring that the spirit like move to unbelievers. That the, right. the Holy Spirit opens the eyes and, and the heart of those who have not received Christ. Like, when we go out and evangelize and, and minister to people, we want the Spirit of God to move in miraculous ways. So it's not like we don't care about those things. But it's also like, why are we, like, seeking big, you know, miracles from God? Like, what 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 is the purpose behind those It's if things? my faith is only based on some miracle happening. Right. Like, if God doesn't if God doesn't do a massive, you know, huge thing, then, like, maybe the Spirit of God, like, isn't real or something. It's this like, will well, lead no. us into all kinds of places. Like, why don't faith healers go to hospitals? And why are there hospitals? And right. things like that. If, if God, uh, like, the perfect Jesus theology that God mm-hmm. desires to heal all the time, always without excuses, if that's so true... And believers are the ones who carry that, and we say that there's a lot of believers in the states. Then why isn't why is there hospitals still? Right. It's because it's not the case. And I would I would argue God's in the details. People who are in the hospital who are cured of diseases, I would still say it's the working of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And God's common grace to mankind that we would discover cures. Right. And the tension of those who like still suffer and still experience yeah. diseases. It's not that like God has all of a sudden like not loved them anymore or has left them like. Even believers who do experience suffering, I would say God is in that as well. Like, he's in the details of those. And, like, I would confess he's omnipresent. Like, he's everywhere. Um, And, like, we talk about with indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Like, the Spirit, the presence of God is in the life of a believer. So even in, like, suffering and difficult times, we can have, like, faith and confidence that God is with us and present and doing something. Even if we don't see it, like, physically... Uh, I think we talked about this in the the last episode. There's this invisible realm, like this yeah. invisible reality of God, like working that we can't like literally see. We can't always touch, but like God is still doing something. Yeah, you certainly. know, and the Holy Spirit's behind that. Holy in the Spirit details, is moving in the yeah. details. I think the more you recognize that when you're in a posture of worship, that mm-hmm. that you are being moved by the Spirit, mm-hmm. the love in the Trinity is causing the Spirit to 
to move you to worship God with them. That's right. And that's that's beautiful. That's right. Yeah. So it's more than just whatever tossing of the wind is like a there's a beautiful eulogy song called signs and mm, it yeah. talks about you know i saw a leaf fall and it must have been god and it's like no that was just a leaf that <laughs> so get over it and, oh come on yeah so it's, i'll have to play that for you yeah but but, yeah, the, so but the, the next line yeah in the apostles creed talks about the holy catholic church catholic. yeah the roman catholics that's what it's all about okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, catholic as in universal like a worldwide right. church yeah. um so yeah the, the creed confesses one church we, we lose out on this, I think, in our day and age. We don't, because there's been so much split for denominations, mm-hmm. I think we really hugely lose out on the community of a worldwide church. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate, like, uh, the people at Crossway released an ESV Global Study Bible. Mm, I like that. Where they had pastors from all over the world contribute to the notes. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. And you'll notice that the notes, for the most part, are not too far different from what you would have in yeah. any other study Bible. But it just shows that like the spirit is moving and active and living in all parts of the world. Yeah. And we do see scripture the same. And yeah. where we don't, it's very, uh, it's minuscule, but it's enough mm-hmm. that we can be mm-hmm. built up by each other in that. Yeah. Yeah. And like for both of us having the opportunity to study in an academic setting, I mean, we've read theologians from other parts of the world, you know, yeah. theologians from Uganda or China or wherever, you know, South America, like, and we see that God is working and active and still just as real like to yeah. those people you get a um, taste of his living well. word when you see like some obscure missionary yeah. in china wrote a very similar book to some like academic theologian in europe and it's because the spirit god's word is living and active and it doesn't change That's right and they can read it the same even in a different cultural context yeah but i think you're right with the difficulty of denominational like splits it often feels like we're not one church anymore yeah. but we're you know thousands of different churches um and that can be frustrating sometimes because it's like, oh, you know, I'm part of this church and we confess these things and you disagree on this, like, like one or yeah. two points. So, like, you're not part of so us. So you must not be one of us. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. no, like, we still confess the same Lord. I am encouraged by our generation because mm-hmm. I feel like growing up with my parents, yeah, there was a sense of not like anybody who was outside of, we were pretty cultish, mm. but we came like the sense of nobody outside of our denomination was saved and it's kind of nice though to see like today it seems like denominational splits aren't as big anymore yeah feels like there's way more non-denominational churches right which is funny because like right here in our backyard we have red rocks church and we have flat irons yeah and they would moat to the to your eyes people would be like oh they're non-denominational but in reality red rocks is evangelical free Mm. and flat irons is baptist and so but but we're starting to not blur the line or we're starting to blur the lines between those things you know the second and third doctrinal matters people are starting to understand better in light of scripture i think our generation is mostly yeah Yeah, and that's really encouraging um to know that there's obviously like sometimes it can be difficult um when you are reaching out to people who aren't a part of the tradition you grew up in because it can be uncomfortable you know i i did grow up in a non-denominational background with kind of baptist roots and so like being able to in- interact with people who were Lutheran or, you know, Presbyterian or whatever. I mean, sometimes it is, like, uncomfortable to step out. But I think behind it, we see, oh, no, like, they're Christian and they yeah. confess what I do. Yeah. Um, and I haven't, like, got every answer figured out. But I think it's important not to, like, reject people just because they're part of a different denomination. Yeah. 
And like academics is not just the like fulcrum of a Christian faith. Mm-hmm. You could know yeah. all kinds of things. And, and honestly, I, I feel like this may be a North American issue because I don't know how big like different denominational splits are in, in other countries. That's but true. Definitely, you know, in our context, it's big. Um, you know, hundreds, thousands of different, you know, kinds of churches. But as we see in the creed, united the Holy Catholic Universal Church, one church. Yeah. And um, then that so continues and says the communion of the saints. Communion of saints. <clears throat> so we're supposed to gather together. Yeah. Even as believers around the world, mm-hmm. and we commune with one another. Yeah. I think we lose that, especially in American culture, mm-hmm. individualism. We yep. really lose out on the understanding of like, what does it mean to do faith as a body believers? One of the things that's like really impacted me is realizing that Paul says to sing hymns and spiritual songs to one another. Yeah. And the Psalms were written in a context that they would also be sung to one another we have this like individualist idea (laughs) of like at worship where you're like and i'm not against hands up but it's like hand raised and it's like just me and jesus in a box we're worshiping together (laughs) we're going at it right the lord is my shepherd but like yeah right right or it's like this very just like personal like we're oceans we're We're oceans yes and it's just it's just you god you can literally show up to a church service say hi to like two people go to your row sit there sing your songs to yourself like and to God, leave. listen to a pastor and leave and like not fellowship with anyone. And yeah. it's like communion of saints. And it literally calls us to it. Yeah. And, and the psalmist, uh, especially I was preaching on Psalm 78 at my church a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the psalmist starts that psalm with like, I want to, remi- basically I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. I want to remind you what God has done for Israel, for us as people, mm-hmm. that we would teach it to each other and our kids. And mm-hmm. then we know a psalm is a song, so it was meant to be saying. And so we're supposed right. to, when I've, I've actually asked people this, uh, I asked my church this too. I was like, when you're at church worshiping, are you singing to each other? And it's mm. funny, like the responses, people like kind of like give you a look like, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. I'm worshiping God. Why am I singing to the other person? Right. But it's like, no, you're actually supposed to be, I'm supposed to be singing to EJ. EJ, dude, God Sing is so for great me. and amazing <laughs> and, and wonderful and holy and blessed be his name. And I look at what that. he's done for us in Jesus Christ. But it's actually and amazing. And refresh you. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to refresh each other. And, as well and as edify. Edify. Yeah, one exactly. Another, build build each, each other up in the faith. Huge, huge. And as as well as praise God. Exactly. I mean, God is most glorified when we are most pleased in him and mm. are building each other up. And like, can you imagine the God who would create this room that we get to sit in and talk? Right. That's, that's amazing. And we lose that in community. I don't know how much it is in other countries, but I hope that, that we can start moving towards, especially in the States towards a community mm-hmm. of worshipers and, mm-hmm. and less of a, it's just me and my bubble. Right. And yeah. also a part of the communion of saints is like communion or the Lord's supper. Like, partaking as believers in the body and blood of Christ, like, when we partake of the elements. I think that's another part of, like, communion with the saints. Like, all gathering around, recognizing, like, acknowledging, like, this is the body of Christ that was broken for us. This is the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And, like, uniting under that banner, like, this is our faith. This is what we believe in. And speaking that truth into each other, as well as doing it in worship of the Lord. Another element. Yeah. That. I think a lot of churches do that well, but there are also denominations that, you know, don't really do the Lord's Supper very often. They don't. You know, very rare. Once a year. Once a year, once every, you know, couple months. And I think, again, that, that may be something that is lacking in some traditions, you know, that, yeah. that maybe limits the communion of the saints. Strong, like a liturgical atmosphere. For instance, I was reading mm-hmm. um, James K.A. Smith's uh, You Are What You Love. Okay. And he kind of talks about 
how we set up our calendar year to orient us towards yeah. God. Yeah. I should actually loan it to you to read because it's it's really good. We should even talk more about that. Mm-hmm. But churches miss out on that when we don't have that community element, <clears throat> like mm-hmm. a call to worship and a coming together and a repentance of sin together and yep. a reminder of God's grace and then we worship with each other. I think we're like, and then communion. When I was growing up as a kid, uh, before I was even saved, I was probably about 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. This guy came to my family's church. He was a, I think he was a student at Lubbock Christian, actually. Okay. Um, and he came and did communion. Where Our church was really small up in the mountains, up in the Rockies, like 30 mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And for a Wednesday evening service, he came up and we hung out in the church's basement. And he had set up this table and had the chairs around it, 30 chairs around it. And he had us all come in there. And he was supposed to come and like give some big message. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, this young guy can come preach. Yeah. And what he actually ended up doing is he brought loaves of bread and wine. Wow. And we actually sat around the table and dipped the bread in the wine and would confess sin to one another mm. and give praise to God and thanksgiving and take communion with one another. And that was so weird. At the time as a kid, I was like, this is weird because I grew up in a church where you like pass the plate with like the little cracker yeah, yeah, exactly. and you drink the juice. Yeah, exactly. To me, it was like so weird. That I was like, we're breaking bread together. And now I look at that and I was like, that's community that's right. where we get together and we say look here's my dirt mm-hmm. and here's god's like these the things he's given me and i give thanks to him for those things yeah and it edifies one another to know it, i think it's edifying to also to, to share with each other our downfalls well yeah like even falls. even confessing sin to one another like i feel like there's this tendency to to go to church and like that's just between you and the lord is to like yeah. confess sin but we see in scripture like to confess our sins to one another yeah and like that is something that i, I feel like what happens is we get this mentality that like my sins are between me and the Lord. And so, yeah, you get isolated from your other yeah. uh, brothers and sisters in the faith and your faith starts just be- becoming you and God. And you don't need those other people because you can just confess to the Lord yourself. And like, you can go to church by yourself. You could read your Bible by yourself. Like it's all about you. And it's, I think talking about like faulty theology, I think we, we can start traveling down a bad path once we start isolating ourselves and, and becoming so like centered on just us but confessing confessing sin to one another is yeah. a part of that and it, yeah it's like uncomfortable to like do that be like hey this is where i like messed up this is where i fell short but it's so rewarding i would say like yeah. doing that and i think it builds up in the sense of also if i'm to if i'm to share with you like hey ej here's the things that i struggle with then i am I'm giving you the the ability to mm-hmm. say, hey, I struggle with that too, and I'm not alone. There's probably a good chance that we this. struggle with the same things. Yeah, honestly. Which, and then we can both say, wow, God has forgiven us for this this yep. thing that we both do. Yeah. And praise be His name. But at least we know that we're not alone. We're human. We do it too. Mm-hmm. We share that. Yeah. 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 Well, what do we got next? Well, that was good. Yeah. The the next uh, aspect of the Apostles' Creed says the forgiveness of sins. So we right. were kind of so just we kind of just that. touched on that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, the Lord forgives. He is faithful and just, like we talked about early on in, in the podcast, First um, John 1, 9. Yeah. He's faithful and just, the, the justice of God to forgive sins. Yeah. But yeah, just acknowledging that, that we can't, like, we, we're not forgiving ourselves of our sins, right. but like the Lord is forgiving and us we'll, of like, our sins. We'll get into this in the next podcast on prayer, mm-hmm. but uh, 
also that when we go to pray to God and ask for forgiveness of sins, we don't need to plead with him to be forgiven because Jesus already did the work on the cross. The debt's been paid. Right. So it's not a, a pleading like, oh, please, God, right. forgive me for this. And thing. there's this tendency, yeah, yeah if, if I do certain works, then like God will forgive me. I feel right. like that's like another yeah. pitfall that people will go down is like, oh, like I've done these sins. I need to be forgiven. So I'm going to like do all these like good things and if i do those good things then god will forgive me and that's christ plus works yeah like to receive and forgiveness and that's not how it's, it's very hopeless not how it is yeah it's, very hopeless. it's just a a pure contrite heart like saying to the lord like forgive me of my sins and and trusting that christ did atone and like pay for the, for our sins kind of like a, i believe it's charles spurgeon who said i've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock that is christ Um, and he was talking about he's he's learned to like recognize his sins and his shortcomings throw him against christ and and makes him need him so much more Hmm. i think sometimes we can get overwhelmed and bogged down in our troubles our sins and then god pushes us on the cross but i think it's also important like i grew up thinking like uh going to like men's bible studies especially Uh because that i'd go with my dad and there would always be like that one big sin that if i could just get over this sin god would just love me and i'd be amazing like right you know if i could stop watching porn then god would just totally love me and if i could just you know uh pay off all my debts and give all my money like be able to give to the church then god would love me it's like this weird like yeah although the money one's not a sin there'd always just seem to be like this one big thing in your way mm-hmm. and i think after i got saved i realized like no all of me is in the way Mm. There's not a piece of wow. me that's not in God's way wow. um, to send. And there's only one thing that I contribute. And I, I couldn't, like, end the one thing that I do wrong. Mm-hmm. It, that it was all of me that was totally in opposition to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. And, like, knowing that Christ died for all of you, not just, like, the good parts of you <laughs> or the certain parts that are awesome, but realizing, like, no, like, in my, like, in my frailty, in my sin, in my, like, horrible elements, like, that's where Christ is. And, like, that's where he atoned was, like, for those yeah. parts of you to, like, redeem and rescue. It's beautiful. Another part of the creed, down to the last, like, two statements, we can kind of join them. All right. The resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Yeah, okay. That's pretty heavy. We, we kind of touched on that with the scribes and Pharisees, where the scribes were like, there's no mm-hmm. resurrection. And the Pharisees were like, there were resurrection. And here you have the church fathers being like, no, we, we believe. But this is important because this says the resurrection of the body. And there right. are some Christians who don't believe in a bodily resurrection. Right. So we, so we confess with the Apostles' Creed that Jesus experienced a bodily resurrection. Bodily. Like he, he resurrected like front with his body with his body he stood before he stood before people the the disciples thomas uh, thomas was, was poking yeah, in his hand poking in his hands so and his sides so there's body. but there's also like in the end times a resurrection of the body um yeah. for those uh in christ and even not in christ i believe talks about yeah and total bodily resurrection and then like the final judgment yeah judgment of the living and the dead the judgment and when of it the says the living and the, and the dead it doesn't mean that there's gonna be certain people who are like um, I think when sometimes when we think of like, oh, he's coming back to judge the living and the dead, it's like, oh, there's people who died he's going to judge and he's going to judge the living. I, I, this might be my own personal view, but when I hear that, I see the living as believers hmm. and the dead as those who are dead in sins. Yeah. And because Paul says you were once dead in sins and now you're alive in Christ. I think when it says he's coming to judge the living and dead, he's going to judge believers and those who are dead, still dead in sins. But there's nothing more glorious to me than to think about standing before the throne of God, seeing how completely disgusting and unholy I am, 
And then for when God the Father looks down on me, that Jesus is who he sees. And he mm. says, it's paid. Yeah. Just debt. And because he sees Jesus and because it's been paid, we have life everlasting. Yeah. We have eternal life. Life eternal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, singing holy, holy, holy. Singing holy, holy, holy. Yeah, the famous John 3 passage with Jesus yeah. and Nicodemus talking about that. How like being born again and Nicodemus is like, well, how do you how do you get born again like physically? <laughs> yeah, do I go back in my mother's womb? And he's like, no, that's that's not what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. there's an, an eternal like reality of if you're in Christ, you shall never die because He has conquered sin yeah. and death. But yeah. this is a bodily reality as well. It's bodily. It's not just like escapism where yeah. we're trying to escape the material world. Like Gnosticism, right? No. Yeah, Gnosticism would be like we're we're souls trapped in yeah. flesh. We're trying to get out. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's trying to reach Gnosis. It's it's not a, a Gnostic worldview. I mean, this is definitely like a physical bodily Body. worldview yeah. that, that talks about bodily this. resurrection, a bodily resurrection and life everlasting. Well, that is the creed. We That's finally creed. made through it. So we finally made through. The we're creed. we're we're not gonna get to the paradox tension, but just to like break mm -hmm. down some of those tensions that at some point later. We'll, we'll do an episode on it, point. but yeah. there's you know there's the paradox of God's sovereignty and man's free will, God mm -hmm. hardening Pharaoh's heart, but Pharaoh hardening Pharaoh's heart. Mm -hmm. um, there's the fully man, fully God of we'll Jesus. Talk a little bit about that. The Trinity, um, three persons, three one persons. God. So we'll we'll dig into some of that stuff when we get to do a paradox tension and why, uh, more of like why do we hold those things? Right. What's why do we need the tension? Yeah. And we talked I think in episode one that to not hold those things is where faulty theology happens. Right. Where you try to hold one or the other and reject one or the other, that's when mm -hmm. you start going off. But we live in a culture that wants the either or. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a Jen Pollock Michael released a new book on this. And But we need to live in a, of a tension in Christians of an and. Mm -hmm. So it's like God is both sovereign and predestines and, and is in control and he has granted man free will. And there's a tension there that mm -hmm. we... Yep. we probably will never fully comprehend right but have to live within yeah. yeah and that's the difficulty is like recognizing it and allowing for that and not trying to like fix it which i think again faulty theology tries to come in and, and fix these apparent tensions when in reality we should be living in the tensions so yeah, yeah one one episode we we will flesh that out more but as, as for now we got through the apostles creed and we appreciate we you guys listening and being a part of this uh, journey with us through three episodes. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Captive Thoughts. We hope that you enjoyed listening. Drop some comments below about other topics you would like to hear us talk about. Uh, we'd love to engage with you on that stuff. And we're just really looking forward to how things are taking off now that we're past the Apostles' Creed. So tune yeah. in next week. We're finally done with the Creed and we're going to jump into yes. prayer. Um, in the future, like we're looking at like AI. Yeah, artificial like, intelligence, prayer. What does it mean to be human? Like some crazy awesome topics. Oh, we're going to get into some momentum topics right here. We're just going to steamroll through we're these. We're going to get deeper. It's going to be exciting. You know, we've laid down the foundation. We're like, this is dogma. Mm -hmm. And now let's wreck everybody. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Time to get wrecked. Well, thank in you the best listening. way. Thank you for listening. <laughs>